Zach Holdsworth came all the way from a New Zealand farm to help reform the U.S. healthcare system. At Hint Health, he's enabling a direct care model that frees mostly primary care practices up from overheads, hassles, and misaligned incentives that characterize third-party reimbursement. In his view, health insurance should pay only for the occasional, unpredictable, and expensive occurrences, and it shouldn't be the default payment for predictable care. Hint handles about a half billion dollars of payments right now, and it's developing new tools to enable innovative approaches by health plans and employers. I'm David Williams, host of the Health Biz Podcast and president of Health Business Group, a strategy consulting firm that helps companies like Hint Health to develop robust growth plans. Reach out to me, dwilliams at healthbusinessgroup.com if you'd like to discuss strategy for your company. Finally, please do me a favor and subscribe to the Health Biz Podcast. Zach, it is a real pleasure, and I want to talk a little bit about your your background, your your upbringing, any you know childhood influences that we should know about that uh, helped to get you where you are today. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, my journey started off. I grew up on a farm in New Zealand, and still to this day, um, kind of visit home. And I'm actually right now at home, trying to escape. I came back to escape COVID, um, but Zach, you either have to be a billionaire or from there in order to make that happen. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm from there. Exactly. And I think that a big influence on me was my dad was an engineer by training and, but also a farmer. And so he kind of had a farm, but also had a business on the side, um, which, um, which sort of manufacturing type company. And I kind of got the entrepreneurial bug from a young age. Um, and also, you know, in addition to that, my dad got the first computer in town in our little town. And so, I, um, ever since that moment, I, I think I wanted to go to Silicon Valley. <laughs> um, and so went through engineering school, had a career as an engineer and then a consultant, eventually um, kind of made my way to, I, I kind of was lucky enough to get into Stanford where I did my MBA. And that was kind of my moment. I was like, okay, I always wanted to go to Silicon Valley. So I'm going to go to yeah. Stanford and kind of break my way in. So kind of fast forward to today and that's, that's kind of where I am today. Zach, are you seeing like back in, in New Zealand, are you seeing like your friends from, from early days Did they, they all have the same idea and head off to Stanford as well? Or what, what are they up to? Um, no, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I'd say um, I've been away so long from my hometown that a lot of my friends actually aren't here anymore. Um, and many of them kind of went off all over the place. And I kind of, in a way, lost touch with a lot of them. But a few of them are still here. One of my friends actually is... Um, Back in you know twenty years ago or so, started um, what is now the largest music festival in New Zealand called Rhythm and Binds. Um, so I was like at the first one of those, and so there's one of my friends who's still running that yeah. that uh, festival. And so yeah, hope, unless, unless it's shut down by COVID, I'll be there in a, in a few months. Now that's that sounds good, Zach. Well, I, I know throw, it may throw you off with that question, but it it just occurred to me there. So you know, as people that that come from outside the, the U.S., there's a lot of kind of you know acclimatizing that that you do when you arrive. But one one thing that people from elsewhere don't usually ever get used to is the U.S. healthcare system. I know my wife is from Canada, and you know she she was always terrified by it, and 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 still is, even though she's with a healthcare person uh, here for for many years. And I thought I saw at one point. That you said, you know, of all the different things you could do over at Stanford and beyond, dealing with the U.S. healthcare system wasn't going to be one of them. Did I read that right? And if if so, what what got you actually working in healthcare? 
Yeah, I mean, I I think the I'd always kind of looked at the healthcare system and thought it's so bureaucratic and broken. It seemed that I was like I was almost sort of didn't know where to start. Um, so so I think it was it was more just daunting, if anything. Um, and I like to make change. I like to change things and make things better. And I thought I wouldn't be able to succeed. So there is the the thing I think that got me into healthcare is at the time I was really in, you know, to a certain extent still, but much lesser extent, I was into, you know, own my own personal health and how to optimize my own nutrition and, you know, sleep and all the sort of this quantified self movement, I guess. So I got pretty heavy into that. But then as a, I was basically a kind of an analyst at a VC firm, um, and we did a deal in a company called Wellness FX that was basically the first direct consumer clinical diagnostics company. Um, with a with a telemedicine sort of offering attached to it and licensed in you know 48 states or something like that and so we I, I got really excited about that through the lens of this is a kind of trend this is an opportunity to actually get into something that I'm really interested in personally but also start to look at the healthcare system in a way that's more manageable so is it is that wellness effects that I actually got really interested in transformational things that could you could do in the, within the healthcare system to transform your healthcare more fundamentally. But I, I, I sort of edged my way into it through a more of a passion of mine that was adjacent, really. Because, yeah. Great. Well, Zach, you gave me a little bit of a, a hint about hint by talking about how you saw the system as being very bureaucratic, because you're working on something at hint that is related to direct primary care. Now, what is it that makes it primary care direct and how does it relate to other kinds of primary care yeah the thing that differentiates direct primary care and really a direct care generally is tradition for the most part the majority of payments in the u.s healthcare system are kind of managed and administrated th through the kind of legacy fee-for-service infrastructure insurance fee-for-service infrastructure you may not be um, it may not be insurance that is actually provisioning the payment, right? But the infrastructure that insurance companies have built is what is leveraged to handle payments and, uh, and, and really essentially covers the majority of healthcare spend. With a direct primary care type, and this of course creates a bunch of perverse incentives, it introduces overheads, massive overheads, and also eliminates price transparency, which are kind of the way I tend to think about the fundamental reasons why the healthcare system is broken. Um, so with a direct primary care model, what you're doing is you're stepping outside that traditional fee-for-service model and you're contracting as an individual or an employer directly with the provider. And instead of submitting a claim, they'll have a fixed monthly fee for you know, essentially unlimited access to primary care, telemedicine, urgent care, but it's a price transparent, pre-negotiated rate and you pay the doctor directly and they will, off, they will deliver those services. And so you're eliminating all that legacy infrastructure replacing it with a very simple intuitive um, payment model that works for all of the parties involved um, so that's direct primary care and if we have to talk about what we mean by direct care but that's kind of where we started as a, as a business uh, supporting this growing emerging ecosystem now there are other people that have tackled primary care from different angles and you know a concierge care would be one example there's some kind of um online first or digital first approaches how do you fit into that universe or do you kind of overlap with it yeah i'd say we overlap with it we power a lot of the leading concierge groups in the nation we power a lot of the you know it's, it's, our platforms are 
membership management billing payments platform. So we are handling a lot, you know, close to half a billion a year of basically payments in that realm. Um, so we power a lot of those entities. Um, we also power a bunch of virtual first care models, right? The thing that I'd say is common across our customer base is that whether it be virtual first care, direct primary care or, or concierge care, um, the thing that is common, the common thread is that our clients are, for the most part, not billing insurance, right? They're going direct. So if you have a, let's say you have a virtual first model, um, you may have an employer that is paying for that and they're paying, a, let's say, a fixed PMPM. Um, the, our infrastructure is powering those relationships. Uh, and we see co the, the, the common thread, though, is, is that there's no insurance billing um, and there's typically a pre-negotiated rate, which is understood up front. And it's a contract between two entities without a third party that's in, in, the, in the middle of it. So some concierge practices, for example, do bill insurance in addition to charging a fee and you wouldn't necessarily be working with them or would somebody who's also participating on fee-for-service use Hint for the direct part of their business? Yeah, so in the instance where we have, say, a concierge group that is also billing insurance, um, we will, say, one medical is a good example, right? You have a membership fee and then you bill for the fee-for-service component through insurance. We have clients that do that. Um, it's not the majority of our customer base, but we do have clients that do that and they just leverage hint for the direct piece of that. They don't, we don't bill, we won't handle the insurance component. Um, and so it's not a main, it's not our main custom segment, but we do have tools that are useful to that segment. And, um, and it's interesting, actually, one of the things we're starting to see is a little bit of an evolution happening with entities that have that model. But their employers are actually coming to them saying, hey, we, could you actually offer essentially a direct primary care model whereby you'll, we'll pay you a fixed PMPM or cash rate for services that fall outside that PMPM and don't bill insurance? Can we just do the whole thing through a direct contract? So we're starting to see that um, trend happening a little bit with groups that have that more concierge type model where they will continue yeah. to bill insurance as well as membership fee. It's interesting because obviously it gets pretty complicated if you're dealing with kind of more than one uh, business model, but um, it, it sounds like something you work your way into. Now, Zach, you mentioned earlier on in the interview, I said direct primary care, and certainly a lot of your business is primary care, but it seems as though it may not just be primary care. And, you know, how does this fit sort of, you know, beyond primary care? Or is it sort of primary care and then there's a couple of exceptions or, you know, what's the vision for uh, direct care? Yeah, so the vision for direct care is, um, you know, the way we tend to think about kind of transforming healthcare is you, there's no functioning system in the world, that healthcare system in the world that doesn't have a highly functioning primary care system. So we started, that's why we started with direct primary care. Yeah, are there things that we can do to help support the growth and success of this movement? And the way I tend to think about it is direct care is um, the same principles of price transparency, making sure there's natural incentive alignment or lack of perverse incentives and also just low administrative overhead. You can apply those same principles to um, to things that fall outside the four walls of primary care. So the way I tend to think about direct care and the vision for where we want to head as a business and the transformation we think is, that is necessary to transform US healthcare is enabling an ecosystem of transparently priced direct pay relationships that are grounded in a foundation of affordable primary care. So common predictable care is moved outside from under the insurance umbrella, uh, leaving just unpredictable high impact incidents in the insurance arena. 
So we don't have a necessarily, I'm not against insurance per se. I just don't think that insurance should be the mechanism with which we spend, you know, we, we pay for 60, 70, 80, 90% of all healthcare. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, so we leave insurance for the unpredictable high impact incidents and everything else could fall under a direct care umbrella, um, which would eliminate lots of costs and make a much better experience for everyone and be just a better overall system. So that's how we think about direct care. So I don't know if it's a fair analogy, but say if I'm driving my car and I would pay cash for gas and oil change and maybe the occasional tune up. But if I, uh, you know, if I crash the car into a building or if I hit somebody or like somebody who hit me a few years ago, uh, then the insurance part of it comes in Then it's worth it. Then it's unexpected. I can't budget for it. And it's worth the bureaucracy to go through it. Is that, is that fair? That's right. Yeah, when you, exactly. When you total your car, it's actually quite annoying dealing with the insurance company and they make it hard as they should, right? Um, to, to, to get, um, get your claims processed. But if you have a legit accident, you'll get paid. Um, and you'll probably have the, the police show up and there'll be a police report and there'll be a bunch of overhead and administrative overhead that's necessary in order to secure the, the insurance business, right? So that they're able to actually take on this risk, make, ensuring that there isn't fraud and things like that. But if you had that process in place for replacing the oil, right? Or even I would argue if you had the back small corner window is smashed, right? By someone breaks in and it's like $100 to replace it. Having that all that infrastructure in place to replace that broken window or replace the oil, which might be you know, hundred bucks or something like that, doesn't make any sense. And so, and that's the same in healthcare, right? It's, we know that there's common predictable care like primary care, right? We know, we know things like that. We know that things like imaging need to happen on occasion and they don't need to be thousands of dollars. They can be hundreds or even less than a hundred dollars. So can we move all of that outside of this really hefty bloated infrastructure um, and yeah, it's more similar to car insurance. It's actually a really good yeah. analogy. So it's interesting what you're, you're describing kind of common predictable care and then the rest, as opposed to strictly primary care and specialty, because if you think about primary care, you, you look at a doctor's office and it's set up with insurance, like you're describing, and you know, they're filing this claim and maybe they're going to get paid $50 by the insurance company. They're going to be told to collect $50 from the patient and they spent 25 or $30 to get that, you know, that clearly, okay, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but the primary care, you know, at least in Boston is, is really just a few percent of the total cost of care. So even if you deal with that, yes, we, you know, people are, are dealing with that every day, but you haven't really addressed kind of the cost problem. And there's a lot of patients and I don't have the exact breakdown, but let's say somebody with a chronic illness, which is a lot of people, and they may be on a fairly expensive medication and their care may be predictable and it may be fairly expensive. Um, you know, maybe tens of thousands of year, not hundreds of thousands, but 10, 20, $50,000 a year is not uncommon. Are you saying that this kind of direct approach has a role there as well? I mean, cause it's predictable, but it is expensive. Um, how, how does it mm -hmm. fit in there? Cause that's, that's what I think about where a lot of the cost, a lot of the cost is that you can predict, but you can't necessarily do that much about today. Yeah, so maybe just addressing the first point you made, which is, you know, primary care is a really low percentage of care, right? Um, and I actually see that as part of the problem. A lot of those things that you mentioned, many of them can be managed, um, not all, but many of them can actually be managed um, fairly well within a primary care setting. Certainly urgent care, right? Certainly you know, the, a, a large majority of ER visits, right? Not all, obviously, but a lot of ER 
could be handled um, in, within a primary care setting if it's set up properly. Um, and a lot of the things that end up, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, right, are, you know, things like diabetes. A lot of those can actually be managed in a, when you're pre-diabetic within the primary care setting. So uh, the one argument I make is I think we need to expand the scope of primary care. One of the, um, in the case of, um, you know, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, so, so the, the, uh, a lot of those, the, what I'm advocating for is expanding the scope of primary care. We're yeah. actually seeing some groups saying, hey, why don't we integrate mental health? Why don't we start to bring in some specialist care within the four walls of primary care? Other things we expand scope. But then the things that are common, predictable things that are um, known ahead of time, um, the, like, the way I tend to think about it is there will be a point in time where, yes, you want insurance, but it shouldn't be the default method, right? I'll give you an example. There are some surgeries that cost a thousand or a few thousand dollars, right? And there are some people that have car insurance where their deductible is a few thousand dollars. And if they need to redo some panel beating, they'll pay out of pocket for it because they realize that the premiums for insurance is much higher. So the default is pay cash and then insure the stuff you can't afford. The default in the US healthcare system is the opposite. Everything's insurance. And then, um, okay, maybe I'll pay cash for my, my direct primary care, right? Maybe. So what I'm advocating for is let's have the default be a pre-negotiated price transparent, transparent rate for any set of services that, that, that in theory could be paid for through cash and then layer insurance on top of that. And then you can choose, like I'm talking, we're talking long-term here, right? Uh, we're not talking like next year, but then no, you can no. choose where you want to where you want to like at what level do you want to you know do you want to insure this stuff um and i would argue that if you're able to save if you know if the average family spends is the cost of healthcare for the average family is twenty thirty thousand dollars a year or whatever it is if you would have able to make that um you know ten or fifteen thousand dollars a year then you've got fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year of spare money that is just pooling there which you could pay cash for stuff now, obviously, it doesn't, you know, they're, they're, it's not a perfect analogy, but I just think we need to change the default mindset in healthcare. Everyone always thinks, okay, how do we get the reimbursement pathways in place for insurance? Because that's where the money is. And I'm advocating we need to change the system. Good. Well, it is a big ambition and something that it will keep you busy for some period of time. Let's talk a little bit more about what Hint actually does. What's your role in it? And how do you avoid becoming just, you know, another middleman? Uh, among many middlemen that are in the uh, U.S. healthcare system. Yeah, um, yeah. So we we're um, the membership management and billing infrastructure for these direct primary care, you know, direct care models. We handle everything from you know membership management through to if you're dealing with an employer, we've got pretty powerful direct contracting infrastructure, so you can manage your enrollment and eligibility management, all your employer billing. We've got quite sophisticated plan administration rules engines where you can actually define what's included in a plan. And in a way, think of it as like effectively you're, you're, you're taking the administrative health power of a health plan and giving it to the provider so they can actually effectively adjudicate their own rules around what's included in their plan. Um, and so that infrastructure is all um, supports as you scale to larger and larger employer contracts. Um, we also... Uh, and I mentioned we're, we're putting probably close to 
half a billion, half a billion or so a year of payments through our platform. So there's also a payments yeah. component. On, but then in addition to that, we also have um, networks that are running on on Hint as well. So what's really interesting is we're starting to see really interesting models form whereby I may have my own say bricks and mortar clinics for Colorado, but I don't have clinics in Florida. So I'm going to actually affiliate with someone that does has clinics in Florida and our infrastructure can help power that relationship and that network. So when an employee selects this plan, chooses this doctor who happens to be in Florida through the network, our infrastructure can kind of help power that entire chain. Um, the way I tend to think about it is we're not, we're an, a technology enabler to the providers that are out there changing the game. We are, um, we are not necessarily a middleman just because by nature of it, we are just streamlining the existing processes with which these entities are running their businesses. Um, and, and we don't get in the middle. It's, it's not our relationship, right? It's the relationship of the groups we're powering. And we just think of it as like, you know, just the same as you would buy a CRM for your sales force. Will you buying a billing and enrollment eligibility system for your 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 operations team to scale their their operations? So Zach, what's on the uh, the product roadmap? I know you're having a hint summit coming up. I don't know if you're going to be talking about any any new things that are that are coming, but what uh, what can we expect? Yeah, so some exciting things coming down the pipe. I'd say um, just lots of um, kind of more features we're building and launching, but I'd say on a strategic level, the probably the two primary things that we bring to market. Um, the first of them is um, more tools to support more and more sophisticated plans. Um, so that's that's kind of coming out soon, um, and that's really being pushed there by our larger clients with large employer contracts. The other thing that we're bringing out is we have a number of really innovative health plans and kind of networks and groups that are wanting to integrate these types of models into their um, into what they're doing. And so we're bringing a product out called Hint Connect that, that makes it really easy to quickly connect and uh, contract with our customers so that you you know they can put their hand up and say, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take lives and at this rate. These are the services I provide make it really easy for them to kind of, kind of to get plugged into these various different innovative networks and innovative health plans that are trying to integrate direct primary care. That's the second big thing. Um, I'll be actually announcing that at Hint Summit. So hopefully your podcast doesn't come out until after. Yeah, it'll come. Well, now, um, you know, now, now that you mention it, maybe I'll speed it up. And now it's scheduled for after the summit. Yeah. Okay, great. And then the third, the third piece actually is um, the third piece is, um, we're starting to help our clients manage their downstream cash-based networks, right? So this is a 2022 initiative, but we'll be enabling our clients to start to really um, administer their direct care networks and their direct care relationships uh, beyond the four walls of primary care. And that's how we want to play a role in expanding this ecosystem beyond primary care. Great. Well, Zach, I admire you for making the uh, long journey from abroad in order to help us out here in the U.S. healthcare system. We certainly uh, need it. You bring a good, fresh uh, energy, and I'm glad that Hint is uh, is um, making its way through and, and enabling some of these more innovative models uh, to go forward. So congratulations so far, and uh, good luck on, uh, on your next steps on that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, no, it's a, it's a long, um, we're in it for the long haul, you know, we're, we're, we, I don't think that you can transform an industry in four years, right? It, yeah, it takes decades. 
And so that's, yeah. that's the way we're, we're, that's, we're signed up for that. All right, we're going to change the system one step at a time. Now, Zach, any books that you uh, recommend, anything you've had time to read lately or anything that you would, uh, that you would recommend specifically for our viewers and listeners? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, I'm, it's funny. I, I actually, most of my reading is sci-fi and, um, you know, sci-fi and kind of techno thrillers. Um, yeah. I'd say what, we allow know, that. So I'm, 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 I yeah, I haven't read too many business books recently. I kind of, uh, um, you know, one, one of the, That's okay. the books that I'd say was, what was powerful for me in the early days of Hint was a book called Lean Analytics. I thought that was like quite a, quite a good book. And just sort of thinking through how do you evolve the key performance metrics that are important to your business at the stage you're in in your business um, and how those evolve over time and how you should think through um, really essentially choosing what, what, what you're what you're measuring because because what you measure you'll sort of try to change and it's and you can actually measure the wrong things and, and go in the wrong direction right with, with those incentives that come from measurement so that was I thought it was a really interesting book um i've got sort of yeah there's lots and then i'd say if i, if I was to pick the the, the um the the most the the, the sci-fi book i've enjoyed most recently would probably be dark forest um dark for the dark forest from um the three body problems author so it's a sequel to three body problems that's really good so zach holdsworth co-founder and ceo of hint health thank you so much for joining me today on the health biz podcast Thanks for having me. It's been great to connect. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare business and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.